0: Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you this day from God our Father. Pastor Jeff Backner will Lord deliver this Jesus morning's Christ. sermon. Amen. My long sermons, first of all. <laughs> Navigating our way through life in this confusing, chaotic, and sometimes uncertain world can be challenging. We often get caught up in the minutia of life, focusing on the details that are immediately in front of us, some big, some small. And in doing so, we can lose perspective or we fail to see the big picture. This reminded me a couple years ago, my family and I went to visit our son in Montana and we stayed in a little Airbnb cottage just off of downtown. And as it's normal, we were there right after Easter in the month of April, Uh, the weather shifts by the day. Some days it's warm and sunny, the next days it's snowing and icy. It's just the way that it is. So on this particular trip, it kind of it was more snowy and icy than nice, we were forced to kind of stay inside and we found a puzzle in a Ziploc bag and uh, we started to put it together on the dining room table and it was a great way for us to pass the time with conversation and allowed me to make some home-cooked meals for our college son. The problem was that there was no picture of what the puzzle depicted and it was a big puzzle. It was at least a thousand pieces and we had no idea what we were headed to, but we started putting it together by starting with the frame pieces. We knew that those had to fit in a certain way, and we thought it was kind of daunting. But as we started to work on it, things started to come together, and little images started to appear, and pretty soon we can make out that it was a collage of the New York City skyline. And after a couple days, we were excited when we completed it. Well, when we completed it, I initially thought, maybe I should take a picture and print it off so that people know what they're doing here or whatever. But then I thought better of it. I thought it was, it was actually a really good exercise to savor. The point of what I'm trying to get at here in my story is that we humans get a little unnerved when we lose perspective on the big picture, when we don't understand what's happening or what's going on, or especially how things are going to work out. I often hear people say that if they have control of some part of their life, at least they have some sense of control. But we all know that even if we formulate the best, most detailed and comprehensive big picture plans for our life, things don't often turn out as we plan. I've met many college graduates who had planned to find their dream job in their field of study and can't. No one intends to lose a job, but it happens. Relationships fail. Dreams do, too. We can't look into the future and plan for when our car is going to break down or even our next hospital visit. Our plans fall apart, but God's plans do not. When God makes a plan and a promise, He keeps it. But seeing the big picture helps us to keep proper perspective, especially when it comes to dealing with the ups and downs, the tragedies, and the victories of life. The big picture is what I think the apostle Paul gives us today from our preaching text from Ephesians. More important than a puzzle picture, Paul reveals the big picture of what God is up to. So today we take a turn in our summer series on preaching through the epistles to turn to the book of Ephesians. Just in time, too, because the uh, rated R version of our gospel today would have been a lot of fun to preach about. People literally losing their heads, sexually charged dancing. Paul had established the church in Ephesus sometime in the years 52 to 57 AD, some 20 years after Christ was crucified. And Ephesus was located on the western shore of what we now today know as Turkey, What was a stronghold in the Christian church, the city of Ephesus no longer exists. It's just an archeological site. And in modern-day Turkey, only two-tenths of a percent claim to be Christian. Over 99% are Muslim. Paul had stayed in Ephesus for about three years before moving on, but shortly after he leaves, the newly established church, of course, starts to go through some issues. Most specifically, the Ephesians began to experience a disunity as the church between those who had been Jewish worshipers and the new Gentile believers. So Paul drafts this letter in about 60 AD to encourage the church to unity, not as a human achievement, but as a gift from the triune God. He also sends Timothy to be their intentional interim pastor and the book of First Timothy is a, is a letter that he wrote during that time. Now, if these verses sound like a very long, complex, somewhat confusing stream of consciousness, it's not just you because actually, the whole of this text, all 11 verses, over 200 words, in the original Greek is all one sentence. It's all one thought. And I think what Paul's words convey is that God's word and God's work is truly a blessing to us from God. And Paul informs us what God had intended from before the beginning of time. He's revealing what God is doing past, present, and future. And he intends to help us to see the big plan, the cosmic dimension of God's plan. And he also informs us that the responsibility for carrying out God's plan For your salvation falls on the shoulders of just one person, Jesus Christ. It's a big picture kind of thing and we struggle with sometimes grasping this. So Paul gives us this text which speaks to both unity as the church and unity, personal unity with God. Author Walter Amwanza writes, The unity of the church is given by God not as an achievement of human beings, In this sense, it is not wrong to say that the unity of the church is a sacramental unity because it's created by the Holy Spirit through the washing of God's word, a clear reference to baptism. This unity is a unity of faith, that is, faith in Jesus Christ. Christ joins his people, his children, into one body, his own body. Since this unity is a gift from God, we can only recognize it. We do not create it. And fortunately, the triune God gives us an outline to guide our thoughts on individual unity with God. We actually witness this today for little Ruby. We are chosen by God the Father, we are redeemed by the Son, and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit who gives us faith. Now the root of an awful lot of false teaching and false belief in our world today is this mistaken notion that the gospel is about us, me. It's not. It's about Jesus Christ. And do you notice how Paul makes this undeniably clear? Twelve times in this text, he says that God's plan for your salvation is in or through Jesus Christ. The good news is that God's plan of salvation never relied on what you do, what you have done or will do, but on what Jesus has done. Now Luther said in this epistle that Paul first tells us what the gospel is, how it was predestined by God alone and was sent forth in Jesus Christ so that all who believe become righteous, godly, living, saved, free people from the law or the demand of God's law, free from sin and free from death. Now friends, the 11 verses of our text today are really God's blessing for you to hear. In it, we see and hear the work that God did before creation even happened. What did God do before creating the universe? He actually chose you. He predestined you to be adopted as sons and daughters. Now, I said that word, predestined. That scares some of you, I know this. For some of you, it conjures up images of puppets on a string that you have no will in this world, if you will, which we can get into that later. But if that were truly the case, there would not be sin. You would not have had a choice. It wouldn't exist. I recently heard an analogy that a pastor gave during a Bible study that drives this point home and I think it helps us to understand it. What he said is, consider that you're at your stage of life. I'm 51 years old and you question whether or not your mother loved you or wanted you. But you find her diary from when she was a teenager, 12 years old, let's say, 13. And in it you find this image that is exactly how you look today. She lists out all of the things she loves about you and even all of the things that challenge her about you. And it specifically shows you who you are. And it becomes undeniable that she would have wanted you. She foreknew what she wanted you to be. Now, this is a little bit of a hard concept for us. But what I want you to do is think of this word predestination as an assurance that faith is not an accident, it is beyond question, God has chosen you. Faith is not a human construct but is a gracious and merciful and powerful gift from God. Now Ephesians 1 is where the false teaching of decision theology comes to die. Paul pulls back the curtain on how we get to this point. The point of being baptized, catechized, and confirmed Christians is not because you choose God, but because God chose you before he even created the first wave of light or drop of water. This is commonly called the doctrine of election. Big churchy word. But it is good news for us. This means that even though you were born in sin, God determined to bring you into his family. This doctrine confirms that everything past, present, and future takes place in line with God's will and purpose. And that the doctrine of election takes all the pressure off of you, actually, Salvation doesn't depend on the strength of a decision or the goodness of how you live your life. Salvation depends on God. It's his plan. It's his work. Now, we often get caught up in the how all of that works, but instead, I would like to encourage you to focus on the who. Who is it that's doing the work? God does it. He sends his son, Jesus Christ, to bear your sin He takes it to the cross and dies for it and redeems you to God. It is God's work. And he didn't do it because he knew you would try harder to make yourself a better sinner. He didn't do it because you try to be holy. He actually chooses you to make you holy. That's grace. That is undeserved love and favor. And it is our good news for today. And then he sends his Holy Spirit to gather you together to open your ears and your heart and to speak to you the gift of faith. And again, these words that we just heard. You are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Your sins are forgiven. You are marked with the cross of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit now and forever. It does not end. God the Father has chosen you, Christ has redeemed you, and the Holy Spirit grants you the gift of faith. This is the big picture of what God has done for you. Thanks be to God. Amen.